0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul. We know him as the great writer of much of the New Testament, and we love him. I love the Apostle Paul. When I read 2 Corinthians, where he's pleading with the Corinthian church, he's saying, I open my heart to you. Please, would you open your heart to me? And all the different ways that Paul makes himself vulnerable and helps us and his teaching. He he is just an amazing, amazing man that God used so powerfully. But in the book of Acts, we see how Paul became the great apostle. You know, later on in his life, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And that's because he never forgot where God had rescued him from. And so in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Saul is on a mission. We've seen him earlier in the book of Acts when Stephen was killed by stones being thrown at him. Saul was there overseeing the whole operation. He loved to imprison or to kill or to torture Christians. Isn't that amazing? He thought he was doing God a service by killing people. In the news these days, almost on a weekly basis, we hear of some religious terrorist fanatic attack. And in my mind, it it, just confuses me so much. I think, how can a person think that they're serving God by killing people? And yet, Paul was like that. He was a religious terrorist. He was a fanatic, and he had authority from his organization, from his leaders, to go and do this. He was very high up in the ranks. In fact, he tells us in Philippians about himself before he became a believer. He says, I might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence, I more so. He was very proud of himself. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have now counted loss for Christ. Paul was a religious Fanatic. He was single-minded. He thought he was serving God. He knew the scriptures of the Old Testament. He'd studied. He disciplined his life. He was a Pharisee and probably even a rabbi, um, which means he was also married at some stage in his life because you had to be married to be a rabbi, and a Pharisee was almost always married. But then it goes on to say in verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he sees this light, he falls down, the men around him hear a sound and see light, but they don't really understand what the words are saying. But Paul understands the words and Jesus speaks directly to him, says, why are you persecuting me? Suddenly it becomes personal. It's not about a dogma, it's not about a theory, a religion, a tradition, um, a, a national historical issue. No, no, it's personal. Jesus says, you Paul, are persecuting me. When you killed Stephen, it was like you were killing me. When you put people in prison, it's like you're putting me in prison. When you separate families, when you beat people, when you intimidate them and make them afraid, you're doing it to me. You see, Jesus identifies with his people and he feels our pain. In the book of Revelation, when he's writing to the seven churches, he is so intimately uh, aware of all the persecutions and all the issues that are going on in their lives because Jesus' body, us, the church, is his body. He feels, he senses what his body is going through and he feels it personally. And we take comfort in that because we are hidden in Christ. And when somebody persecutes you, looks you over for an invite or a promotion because of your faith or whatever it is, just take courage in the fact that Jesus, is the one whom they are persecuting. It's not you. And we can hide in Christ. And he will put it all right. Maybe not in this life, but when we get to heaven, we will get our reward. And in fact, in this life, 1 Peter 4 says, rejoice when you are reviled and persecuted because the spirit of God and of glory rests on you. There's an extra blessing from God. Amen. So then he goes on. He said, Trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So he goes into Damascus, and he's fasting and praying and thinking uh, for three days. Now I believe he was converted on the, the road to Damascus. Some will say no, it was only three days later when Ananias arrived, but I believe he saw Jesus, He called him Lord, He understood and he knew. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. We never hear of Ananias before or again. He is an unknown Christian. You see, it's not just the special people who are Jesus's representatives or his servants. Every person who is a Christian is Jesus' representative and can do ministry and can serve him and do something important. And Ananias was the one who prayed for Paul to be filled with the spirit and released him into his ministry. Amazing. Little Ananias, when we get to heaven, he's gonna be one of the heroes because he obeyed when God's voice told him to do something. Friend, what is God asking you to do today? a vision came to Ananias. He said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Friends, we need to get better at hearing the voice of God so that we can hear what he's saying to us, even names of streets, names of people, and all these different details. And it comes by practice, because the voice of God is speaking. If you are a believer, He's speaking all the time. But it, it gets drowned out and confused with our own thoughts and other ideas. And we need to learn. And the best way to learn is when you think God is telling you to do something, as long as it's lines up with Scripture, try and obey it. And you will know pretty soon whether that was the Lord or not. If it was the Lord, you've strengthened your understanding of what His voice sounds like. And if it wasn't, the worst that can happen is you are humbled and you say, oops, I'm really sorry. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, he was a believer. He was already a believer. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Three days after being saved, he gets filled with the Spirit and baptized and healing of his eyes happens at the same time. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So Paul immediately starts sharing what he knows. Now he has a knowledge of the Old Testament, which he has learned as head knowledge for many, many years. He studied under the best teachers but it meant nothing and it benefited him nothing and it didn't lead him into a relationship with God until he met Jesus face to face. Friend, do you know maybe things about religion? Maybe you've studied religion at school or at university or read books. It means nothing until you meet Jesus and then suddenly all that knowledge gets sanctified and God can use it and it becomes meaningful and real because it's personal to you. And the verses that used to just be theory and interesting history lessons suddenly become something that are so helpful and powerful and meaningful to you. And then you can share them with others. It's only after we've been filled with the Spirit that we really, really can understand God's Word and what God is doing. Um, It says, now after many days, verse 23, were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. And in those many days, we know from Galatians that Paul went into Arabia, which actually wasn't that far from Damascus, but it's it's just an area of wilderness for three years. For three years, he went out of the city all by himself and he prayed and he learned and he studied. And in other parts of the Bible, he talks about how Jesus revealed truth to him um, and that the gospel was revealed to him directly by God and Jesus spoke to him that he had visions. He was taken up into heaven and he saw things that he couldn't even share with people. Uh, He talks about the mystery that has been revealed that was hidden for generations, but has now been revealed. Um, And later on, he, he refers to how God has taught him all these things. I believe a lot of that happened in Arabia. And then after three years, he went to Jerusalem just for a couple of weeks to meet Peter and the others. And then we see a long period of time where he doesn't feature. We don't hear about him. And then in Galatians 2 verse 1, it says, and after 14 days, I went back to Jerusalem and I told Peter and the other apostles the gospel that God had shown me just to check that it was right. And they said, yes, it's right. And they gave me the right hand of fellowship. Now, I just want to talk about these, these years, these silent years for a little bit. Galatians 1 and verse 15 says, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And in verse 18, it says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. So Acts 9 verse 26 continues. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. So this is after his three years in Arabia. He's now gone for two weeks to Jerusalem to introduce himself to Peter and the other apostles. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him And brought him to the apostles. Now Barnabas is someone we've been introduced to a few chapters earlier. Someone who sold. He was very wealthy and he sold all his land and his possessions. And he gave them away. And Barnabas is there in Jerusalem. And everyone else is very scared of Paul. And Barnabas takes him. Barnabas is the one who finds people who others don't trust or who others don't recognize. And he encourages them. Barnabas is a hero. We've spoken of Ananias, the unknown man who prayed for Paul, but Barnabas is the one who helped Paul so much. Barnabas is an amazing man and we need them. You know, every great leader, every person in the body of Christ needs other Christians around them to lead them into truth, to pray for them, to befriend them, to encourage them. And if you're on your own, I want to say you're much weaker on your own, my friend. Get together with others. We at Leading Lights would love to partner with you. We may be in a distant land from you, but that doesn't matter because with modern communication, we can talk, we can message each other, and we can pray for you. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. So we know for 15 days he was there in Jerusalem and his life was threatened. Verse 30: When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Now, Tarsus is where Paul was born, it was his hometown. And we know because the book of Acts mentions the names of various kings and officials and events in history, it is very possible to date the timeline of the book of Acts. And so we know that in AD 34 was when Paul got saved, Uh, probably AD 37 is when he went to Jerusalem, but it wasn't until nine or 10 or maybe 11 years later that Paul then bursts on the scene. And again, Barnabas was the one who brought him through. So let me just tell you about that. And then I'm gonna go back and talk about his 10 years in Tarsus in a moment. But in chapter 11, verse 22, it says, then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. News of what things? News of revival, breaking out in different cities and towns far away from Jerusalem. And Antioch was one of them. News of this came to the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, you see, this is why Barnabas is so amazing, because he's always looking for the grace of God. He's not looking for what's wrong. He's looking for what's right, for what he can say well done about, looking for evidence of God's goodness. When he came and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad, encouraged them all, that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. He remembered 10 years ago, there was this man, Saul or Paul, but Barnabas remembered, ah, I remember him. And, I, and he went to Tarsus 10 years ago. Let me go and find him. Let me go and find him. We need more Barnabases. And when he had found him, verse 26, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for a whole year. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Before that, it was just called the way or they were just called the brethren. But then they were called Christians in Antioch. And Paul was there teaching. He had been silent for years. We hear nothing of him and suddenly Barnabas releases him into ministry. And then in verse 27 of Acts 11, it says, and these days prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was gonna be a great famine throughout all the world, which happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So they named the name of the emperor so that you can date these various events. Verse 29, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to their brethren dwelling in Judea, this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So um, we see that um, Paul is involved in administering gifts to help the poor. He's he's not just preaching, he is actually serving and and traveling and and helping people as well. Um, And we know that they had Uh, John Mark with them when they came back to Antioch. So they've gone and done this distribution ministry. Then they have John Mark, this young man with them, who Barnabas keeps believing in, even after he lets Paul down later on. And then in Acts 13 verse 1, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, who we know, Simeon who was called Niger, he was a man from Africa, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaan who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and to Cyprus, etc. And that's the beginning Of the great Saul or Paul's ministry around the world that we have all benefited from. Now, we may see that and we may think, you know, on day one, Paul had the most amazing experience with Jesus and the light shone and he heard the voice and then he was prayed for, he was filled with the Spirit, he was told that he was going to minister to the Gentiles, to kings and to the people of Israel. He had all of these instructions and power and vision. And then he spent three years, kind of Bible school in the wilderness in Arabia, studying and downloading visions of heaven and seeing all this. Surely he was ready. And then he went to Jerusalem and he met with the apostles. Surely then he was ready to do ministry. But he was sent back to Tarsus, his hometown, and we hear nothing of him for 10 years. And he was probably working, making tents. He, he was earning a living doing the trade that he'd learned as a young man. He was in obscurity. He was probably suffering because he was a Christian. I'm sure he was sharing his faith at every opportunity he got, but he didn't have a platform. He was, he was a silent servant doing whatever he could for the Lord. Now, I'd already, I've already said that because he was a Pharisee or a rabbi, he was almost certainly married. I don't know what happened if his wife died or if she left him during those 10 years that he was in Tarsus because he was a believer and she wouldn't accept it. I'm not exactly sure. We know he was unmarried later on. So somewhere along the line, either his wife died or she left him. And that's just one of the things. His family would have rejected him. He never speaks of his family coming to know the Lord. His family would have ostracized him. You know, he speaks of some of the punishments that he received. uh, In 2 Corinthians 11, 24, he says, From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day in the deep. Now, those are some amazing, terrible things that he went through. Just for one of those, you and I would have probably been really traumatized. If you'd been taken up and hauled up on trial in front of people and ashamed and embarrassed and sentenced to be whipped 39 times for your crimes in front of everyone in the public domain, That would have been a traumatic and and really difficult thing to get over. But Paul says that happened to him five times. Now, in the rest of the book of Acts, we don't see that happening, which makes me think that some of this happened in Tarsus in those 10 silent years. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Again, what's that all about? People beating him up for his faith. I had a great friend He was a Jewish believer who was born in New York, moved to Sweden, found the Lord Jesus in Sweden, and then he went back to Jerusalem and he witnessed to Jesus on the streets. And he told me he was beaten up on the streets every week. He then went to Bible school in America where I met him and we became great friends. Then he went back to New York and again he was beaten up. And one of those times he was beaten up and he died. And I just love my friend so much because he was just like Paul. He said, it doesn't matter if I'm in, the, in a popular place or in obscurity, I'm gonna serve the Lord. And Paul sacrificed for so long and so much. And the question we probably need to ask ourselves is, number one, why was that necessary? Why was that necessary? And all I can say to that is that every great servant of the Lord in the Bible. Every one of them has a period of training for reigning, has a period of preparation before they are released. Joseph was given a dream that he would be great, that all the stars would be bowing down to him. But it was many, many years until that came to pass. And in those years, there was a time of prison, there was rejection, there was difficulty. Moses, Abraham, the list goes on and on. David, all of them went through a period where they just had to draw on the Lord. You know, when we're under extreme pressure, when the pressure from outside is so strong, we have to turn inside to get strength from the Lord. We have to say, Lord, help me. Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay and he, he's speaking of him, himself, his physical body being like a jar of clay, but he's got this treasure within him, the power of God, the love of God, the Holy Spirit. And he says, we are hard pressed, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, but we're not abandoned, we're not crushed, we're not in despair. These light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a weight of glory. So I fix my eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary; what is unseen is eternal. Friend, can I just encourage you and challenge you and say, God wants to use you, just as He used Paul. God has a plan for you, just as He did for Paul. You may be just as great in heaven when we get to heaven. You may be just as great as Paul, but there is going to be a process. And we have to go through that process. We have to rely on the Lord. We have to learn to draw on the Lord. We have to be patient. We have to align ourselves with other believers like Ananias and Barnabas and others. And we have to be ready and obedient to serve God. And when we do things the way they did in the book of Acts, we will see the results that they saw in the book of Acts. You know, there are many apostles mentioned in the New Testament other than the initial 12. There are many, and Paul is one of them. He's an extra apostle. Barnabas is one of them, and there are others. I want to tell you that God wants to call apostles. He wants to call prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, deacons, ministers, servants, people who just want to be part of the body of Christ and serve God's mission. We want to help you do that. Look at our website. Let us know. We're praying for you. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com